It's Tuesday, July 25th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians uh, finally get some length out of a, a rookie starter. He, uh, Logan Allen goes into the seventh inning uh, and on Monday's uh, series opener against the, the Royals, uh, but the bats go cold against Ryan Yarborough, and uh, Cleveland falls in the, the opener um, of a three-game set against a, a team that that they should really have no problem beating, and uh, and, and there were a, a lot of problems last night. What did you see out of the Guardians' offense, and, and what did you see that you liked out of Logan Allen? Yeah, you know, uh, props to Logan Allen. Uh, you know, he worked fast. He threw a lot of strikes, 75% strikes, Joe, uh, in his 84 pitches. You know, that's a big, big improvement uh, from uh, from Allen. You know, they sent him down uh, just before the All-Star break to uh, – you know, kind of limited his workload and work on his efficiency. And, uh, you know, the, his first two starts back, you know, they, he certainly looked like that. It looked like uh, the results have been, you know, the, the, the results have been good. Uh, offensively, uh, just a, a tough night against a, a, a rookie, I mean, a left-hander, Ryan, Ryan Yarborough, who has really given them fits. Uh, he's 2-0 and against them this season. Joe, uh, they've scored two runs in in uh, 12 innings against him uh he's got a a, a 1.50 ERA i think it, a, a 1.50 ERA against uh, Cleveland and this guy he he should be he should pitch for the Guardians in five starts at Progressive Field he's 4 and 0 with a 172 wow. ERA so uh <laughs> this guy he likes the mound at at the corner of Ontario and Carnegie and and what made him so effective was his ability to change speeds, the movement, and you know he he wasn't throwing hard. He was he was throwing uh you know soft, but he he could he get the fastball up there when he needed to. But for the most part, he messed with the hitter's timing, and and that really uh you know it not only gets him the win, uh, it it sets up you know Zach Granke to to pitch uh, tomorrow, who's a very similar guy from the right side, like you were saying. And and then, you know, you go from there, the Guardians go out, go back out on the road and, and have to face teams that throw hard again. It, it's hard to make adjustments from game to game like that. And, and when you're you've got a guy who who can change those speeds effectively. Yeah, it's uh, Doug Jones, the old uh, special delivery, Doug Jones, the, the famous Cleveland closer, used to say timing hitting is timing. Pitching is upsetting that timing. And that's what uh, Yarborough did last night, and that's what uh, that's what Greinke, you know, is, has has made a career out of. Uh, uh, and it, we'll see him tonight. Um, but uh, you know, David Fry was saying uh, last night he faced uh, Yarborough, and he said, you know, you go back to the bench and said, you know, I've, I really felt comfortable against this guy. That was a comfortable at bat. And you go up there again, you have another comfortable at bat, but you're headed back to the dugout with no hits. He said, he, and uh, Will Brennan said, you know, like you were saying, Joe, he throws below the hitting speed. You know, you're geared up for velocity. He's throwing a little slower than normal, but his ball is moving all over the place. He said, you know, Brennan said it was just a frustrating night for the whole offense. Yeah, you bring up you bring up the name of Doug Jones. It's our, every time you say Doug Jones, I I just think slow, slower, slowest. There's <laughs> there's uh, there's there's really uh, nothing else that pops into my head when when I think about Jonesy. But uh, but yeah, that was right. You could tell that 
you know, he there were times when he was just screwing guys into the ground, uh, you know, with the, you know, over swinging. And uh, you, you look at when, when Tito says Josh Naylor, who, who's been hitting lefties pretty well this year. Uh, when Josh Naylor is is going well, he's not swinging so hard that his helmet's coming off of his head. Uh, last night, the helmet came off of his head a couple of times on some swings. So, uh, and and Tito was asked about the uh, the three four hitters in the um, in the lineup: uh, Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor. Uh, you know, struggling over the last couple of days, and and uh, you know the offense not coming through in big moments. Uh, you know, when the bases are loaded late in the game and uh, you, you've got Jose Ramirez popping out, you've got Josh Naylor uh, grounding out softly. Um, you know, what are you seeing out of out of those two uh, just over the last couple of games? And, and Tito's response was, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice that those guys do the job, you know, all year long for us. It, it'd be nice to to see to, for them to, to not have to, you know, think that they have to produce every single time those moments happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, they're human. They're going to go into slumps. Uh, they were, uh, you know, Naylor and, and Ramirez were one for eight last night. The last two games are one for 18. Uh, you know, and I think uh, not so much with Naylor, but I've seen uh, it looks like Ramirez is swinging three and oh and three and one. You know, instead of, you know, taking walks, maybe he looks like he's trying to kind of put the offense on on his shoulders and and trying to carry it, which is, you know, that's what he gets paid to do, obviously. But, you know, maybe he should take a couple walks here and there. That'll help him. But like like you said, Joe, I mean, you can't do it every night, no matter how how talented you are. You know, this is a hard game and uh, you're going to take some you're going to go 0 for 4 and 0 for 5 at times. A uh, couple of bright spots uh, last night. Ahmed Rosario uh, did uh, have a, another three-hit game. He's got uh, what the most three-hits games in uh, the uh, tied for the most in in Major League. I think it's his twelfth three-hit game, uh, or hit a game of at least three hits um, for in you know tied for the Major League lead. Uh, so you know, nice to see that. Uh, and and really uh, with uh, with Logan Allen. Um, going as deep as he did, uh, the, the guardians weren't forced to, to burn through, uh, you know, anybody who was down in the bullpen. Uh, they had made a move earlier in the day and, and, and we'll, uh, I, I guess it's time to talk about that. Uh, we had anticipated that maybe James Karinchek would be the move would be the guy that they call up. Uh, apparently James Karinchek is not ready and, uh, they made the move to, to bring, uh, Daniel Norris, uh, up from AAA. A uh, little more stretched out, a little more versatile for them. Uh, Norris is able to go multiple innings. A uh, veteran left-hander who's already been up once with the club uh, when they were in Arizona. Uh, Norris uh, is on the 40-man because Shane Bieber now uh, has been moved from the 15-day injured list to the 60-day injured list. Uh, and, and that's uh, pretty significant for the Guardians. Yeah, I, I guess it means, it means to me, Joe, that we're not going to see Bieber until probably September sometime. And, uh, you know, they said, what, six weeks without, you know, six weeks down, then six weeks of mound work. So, you know, you do the math and that kind of takes you into September, late, late August, probably early to mid, mid September. And, uh, you just don't know what are you going to get from Shane after that? Is he going to be a hundred percent? Is he going to be, or just, you know, making a couple cameo appearances to show he's healthy headed into the off season, you know, the same with Tristan McKenzie. So, you know, that, that's just, it does not bode well for, for the rotation. And uh, I mean, for getting any help, you know, from, from those two veteran arms. 
Yeah, I I think uh, you hit the nail on the head right there, Hoinsey. The what it feels for both McKenzie and Bieber uh, right now is is sort of like that uh, that 2021 season uh, when when Bieber had the injuries and um, you know had to come back and uh, you know, prove prove to himself that he was healthy at the end of September so that he could go into the off season and not really have to worry about uh, the injury as much. Um, that's, that's sort of what, uh, it feels like they're, they're going to try and do again here is, uh, you know, a couple of short starts, uh, if he's able to come back in September and then shut him down and then head into the off season and, and try and get himself right for, uh, next season. But, but if that's the case, then it, it's going to make it harder for them to, to, to make a trade in the off season. It, you know, we've been talking about what the potential is for, for, Bieber to be traded and what the potential return could be. Uh, if he's damaged goods, then you need to prove to teams out there that, uh, you know, he's able to pitch uh, if you're putting him on the block for the offseason. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. You know, I go back in this situation, I go back to what they were able to do with uh, with Corey Kluber, you know, in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they picked up Kluber's option. Uh, he had he had pitched very very little that season uh, because of an oblique and a, and a, I think he had another injury. Well, he broke his arm, right? He got yeah, hit by the broken arm in May, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so he had he hadn't pitched much, but they were still able to trade him uh, to Texas. Texas took the whole contract and they got Class A back, so uh, not a bad deal. I still think they'll be able to. Uh, if, if that's their intention, I think they'll still be able to trade Bieber in the offseason as long as he shows, you know, the scouts and the other teams that he's that he's healthy. I think he's built up uh, enough of a resume. His career is, is strong, you know, is a good career that somebody would take a chance on him. Uh, but obviously they'd have to, you know, they'd have to know he, they'd have to know they'd have a pretty good chance of him being healthy and, and pitching, you know, decently in 2024, which. Obviously, was not the case with Bieber. What he pitched a third of an inning for Texas, and he was done for the year. Right for for Kluber, that was. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, yeah, Kluber. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened. So so yeah, I I think uh, I think the intention here is to still uh, try and get something back for Shane Bieber. If you can get a piece like an Emmanuel Class A, like you did with Kluber, uh, back in a trade, then then you're going to pull the trigger. It has to be somebody who. Uh, you think, uh, you know, fits that sort of, uh, you know, situation. But uh, obviously the return that they would have expected from, you know, a healthy Bieber is greatly diminished uh, as they head into, uh, you know, any sort of negotiations um, with a a Bieber who hasn't proven that he can get back on the mound and and be fully healthy yet. So, uh, and, and, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation with, with Tristan McKenzie because, you know, you've you've obviously got control over him for the next several years. So, uh, you know, if, if you get McKenzie back to a position where he can get back on the mound and get out there and start a game or two in September to prove more to himself that, hey, I'm healthy and I'm OK. I can go and attack my offseason program and be back and be ready for the start of 2024. I think that's more of, you know, what the situation is for for McKenzie uh, it's just a little bit different because of the amount of uh, team control they have over and beyond, uh, you know, this year. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think to me, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's uh, kind of like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, I think the, uh, 
you know, what what uh, Chris Antonetti had told us in, in Pittsburgh was, uh, you know, we won't know about McKenzie, you know, his his health, his overall health of that elbow until he's he's ready to pitch. You know, he ramps up the intensity and pitches in game situations and see how the elbow holds up. And so I think there's still an outside chance that he might need surgery on that elbow. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're, so as they go forward on this, you know, I just don't know how much they could count on, on Tristan, you know, going down the stretch. No, I, I don't think you can count on him in, in any way. I think if he starts in September, it's going to be a couple of show me starts and then and then shut him down. I really don't think. And and how do you work that if you're if you're in the middle of fighting for a, a wild card or a, a division, uh, you know, you know, a title here down the stretch? Uh, we talked about how they're they're four games out for the first time. What since June? It's it's yeah, June uh, so. Uh, you know, you, you've got to weigh that against, you know, is there an opportunity for him to pitch a game or a need for him to pitch a game uh, in September if he comes back and, and feels like he's healthy enough to get up on the mound? Uh, and and he might not even get to that point this year. So uh, we, we've got to, again, see, yeah, I definitely think uh, surgery is still definitely on the table for Tristan McKenzie. You just, you don't want to cut some guy open until you absolutely have to. And, and uh, you know, I, I know, uh, the, the Twitter doctors out there are all, you know, saying, hey, uh, you know, just why didn't he have the surgery a couple weeks ago when when you knew, uh, you know, things are bad? Just just go ahead and have it and, and you can get them back quicker. But uh, it just doesn't operate like that. And it's still trying to convince a 24, 25, 26 year old uh, that, you know, he has to roll the dice on a, a potentially career ending surgery. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh it's uh, Tristan's elbow. It's not our elbow. It's easy to operate on somebody else. You know, what What do they say? Minor surgery is when it's happening to somebody else. <laughs> it's the people. It's, it's the people's elbow. Come on. It's, it's not. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I joke. But uh, but it has been great uh, to, to have Tristan back in the clubhouse. Uh, he's he's around the team and, and doing pretty much uh, everything he would be doing if he if he was uh, in the rotation and, and starting, he's just, uh, you know, a, a positive force uh, around that club. So uh, to, to see him every day uh, being back from uh, Arizona has, has been nice. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see as he begins his his progression to start to, to try and wrap up to see if he can get back to uh, a position where he can he can get on the mound. Uh, all right. Uh, as as we you know move forward, uh, obviously this uh, we talked about this uh, second game of the series uh, against Kansas City. Zach Granke uh, was observing him yesterday uh, from the press box uh, well before the game, probably in the the, the three o'clock hour. Uh, once again, doing his uh, daily ritual where he goes out and he he touches the grass and he he he, he lays on and does a stretching and. And I just it's it's a it's a weird scene to see a guy barefoot uh, in shorts laying out in the right field grass, just sort of face down and stretching and, and touching the earth uh, uh, the way Granky does. He's a he is a special bird for sure. And, uh, you know, that it, it's the 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 sort of par- not parallels, but what, what do you call it when it's two different the juxtaposition of. Uh, of Granky and Aaron Savali, you know, uh, you know, sort of facing each other. It's uh, it it's kind of funny to to think about the two of them, um, two completely different kind of uh, guys and personalities. Uh, so uh, it should be a, an interesting game tonight. 
Yeah, definitely. Greinke, if I was reading the notes right, Joe, he has not lost to Cleveland in a, in about 10 years. He is 12-9 and nine with a 3.40 ERA in 36 appearances against Cleveland, including 31 starts. Uh, but he is 0-6 this year with a 7.42 ERA on the road. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, the, the num- uh, speaking of numbers for the Royals uh, last night, and I don't think uh, enough people – um, you know, made a big deal about this. Um, I, in fact, I don't even think, uh, Kataro was, was, you know, the manager was, was asked about it after the game. Um, uh, Salvador Perez, uh, hit his 200th career home run, uh, as a catcher. And uh, he did that against Logan Allen and, uh, he becomes one of only 10, uh, players all time to, to reach that mark as a catcher. Uh, pretty significant, uh, you know, for a guy who's been just just terrorized the Guardians for for years uh, for the Royals, yeah, just he's a great hitter, Joe. He's a he's the glue that holds that club together. That's why they signed him to that long contract when he was you know I think in his mid thirties, right, a mm-hmm. couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Um, big power hitter, uh, and I think he missed almost a full season with either Tommy John or a knee surgery. So he's still got 200 home runs, just really a good player, underrated player. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just when you think of the Royals, you think of him to me. Right. And, and, you know, for, for Logan Allen to have, he looked like he owned him the first two at bats of that game, uh, you know, high, high fastballs above the zone, uh, attacked him and, 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 you know, it looked like, boy, boy, it's Sal Perez is washed up. He can't, he can't get around on, uh, Logan Allen's fastball. And then, you know, the last at bat, uh, Allen makes a mistake. And instead of throwing one up, he throws it down and, and Perez launches at 420 feet. So, uh, you know, just pretty interesting uh, piece of hitting there for Sal Perez. And, uh, you know, a veteran approach uh, for sure. All right. Uh, another guy I wanted to talk about, another guy made a headline uh, last night, uh, Ellie Dela Cruz, uh, the rookie sensation in Cincinnati, has the Reds. Uh, Game and a half back of uh, the Brewers in the NL Central. Uh, the Guardians don't get to see them until the middle of August, August 15th, I believe. Uh, but Ellie De La Cruz last night is is going to be a problem for a long time, I think, uh, for uh, for Cleveland if they face uh, Cincinnati every season. Uh, De La Cruz last night uh, was robbed of a home run earlier in the game in Milwaukee, and the Brewers uh, scorekeeper, scoreboard operator decided to to put a note up on the board for his next at bat. Uh, it said uh, the note read something along the lines of Ellie Dela Cruz almost hit a home run in the first inning, but he didn't. And uh, Dela Cruz saw the note and proceeded to launch a pitch 465 feet uh, for a two run home run, 113 miles an hour off the bat. Uh, this is a kid who not only hits uh, tape measure home runs, uh, but he's got an arm that uh, has been clocked uh, as an infielder. Uh, has he has the the, the two fastest infielder uh, throws, uh, uh, according to Statcast, of the season in Major League Baseball. Uh, he he does, and and you know we've already talked about the way he runs the bases uh, with uh, with the uh, stealing uh, second and third and 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 home on, on consecutive pitches. Um, this is this kid's going to be a problem. 
Yeah, just, you know, one of the best young players we've seen in a long time. And if the Brewers, Joe, have a kangaroo court, that, that scoreboard operator it has to be fined for that. You don't, you don't, uh, you let sleeping dogs lie. You don't, you don't uh, wave a red flag in front of the bull there. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like happened. So uh, very interesting. All right, Hoinsey, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with another edition, and we will talk to you then. All right, Joe.